Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, I don't want to be here, but I guess I have to. I'm contractually obligated. We have a sponsor. The sponsors have to be placated. Oh, wait. No, I wasn't talking about this podcast. I just didn't really. I was with my girlfriend at a hair salon. That's what, that's what I meant. Uh, so do, do you believe me, Danny? Am I contractually obligated to say yes? <laughs> Ryan McDonough was not contractually obligated to say yes, uh, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, we got a lot to talk about today with the Eric Bledsoe situation. We got a ton of fake trades that we want to discuss and then also got a lot of news to get to mostly injury related followed by talking about rookie options in years past that date pretty much coincided with the start of the season now however it's still october 31st so teams have a couple of weeks to at least evaluate these players who might be on the bubble normally if you're much good you're going to get that rookie option picked up you know every first round pick has two option years on what ends up being a four-year contract and then they enter restricted free agency but there's some players who are on the bubble and we'll talk about them whether we would pick up their options as those teams in their place or not we're sponsored today by our friends at wish wish is one of the top rated apps of any kind in both the android and apple stores wish is offering all new users a free gift with purchase and all listeners can get 20 percent off your purchase by using my code capspace okay so let's just run down danny exactly where we're at in the bledsoe situation before we start talking about what comes next well so where we're at is basically that he got sent home he's not going to be playing for the suns and that they're looking for a trade so that is the the kind of the nuts and bolts of that part of it he is 27 years old right now he will turn 28 in december of this year so pretty soon and he has two years remaining on his contract, about 29, I think it's 29 and a half million left. And then, so so how you think about that, and of course, whatever team would acquire him, would if they did it as by trade, which they would, would be getting his full bird rights. So that is certainly a benefit for certain teams. And it gets complicated with him partially because of the timing. And, and both of us would probably lampoon the Suns for now deciding that it, they need to do this kind of like the Earl Watson thing, where, you know, at last year's trade deadline, it seemed pretty clear where the Suns were going but what's past is past and now we get to deal with the present which is looking for an eric bledsoe destination yeah and we would lampoon them you would imagine in this trade they're almost certain to get less than they would have gotten had they moved earlier although i don't know if that's necessarily the case this summer but clearly his value is at an adir trades usually don't happen this early in the season as well so they're not likely to have him just go home until the trade deadline and any team acquiring him would want to have him for the bulk of the season maybe the time to do it was last year's trade deadline and they may have felt that the offers just weren't good enough at that time but i think what you'll usually find here unless you're the bulls or the pacers is that your offer is usually aren't going to get any better if you wait longer and who knows those teams might have had better offers and they just perhaps waited or, or just chose the wrong ones i should say Bledsoe, when he was called into mcdonough's office as i alluded to in the open claimed that his 
I don't want to be here tweet related to being with his girlfriend at a hair salon and as unpalatable as many men might find that Ryan Madonna did not in fact believe him and said specifically that he did not find that explanation credible so now Bledsoe will be at home and fortunately the Suns have a lot of practice of telling him to go home because that's what they did for the last two months of last season so now he's going to be traded but let's just take stock of like where he is as a player right now Danny so last year he was 11th on ESPN's list of point guards in terms of PER I think it was 15th at RPM he you know his assist rate is fine for a point guard it's not you know he's not the Chris Paul Quinn essential point guard in any sort of way but he could be there and then the other part with him is he's very physically talented but he hasn't really brought it on defense as much in recent years that could be motivation because his team has been atrocious it could be getting older a little bit not being that dynamo he was or even just playing more minutes I mean I think back to when he was on the Clippers it was a perfect situation for him because he could just throw that energy out there for 22 minutes or so and I mean almost any player would benefit from being able to concentrate their force in that amount of time but he's still an incredibly talented talented player and point guards in the NBA are exceedingly valuable even if they're not you know the the prototype in terms of all that kind of stuff because you need 48 good minutes of that position I would put Bledsoe right now in a tier maybe starting at about the 10th best point guard in the league you know maybe with him Drew Holiday who just got five years 126 million from the Pels maybe Goran Dragic I think Dragic is probably better than either of those two guys this year but if you're gonna say hey over if you're gonna evaluate him as an asset you mentioned the two years left on his deal could be a free agent in the summer of 2019 so if you're going to say who's going to provide the most production when healthy during that period i put him right in that category And then there's really a drop off after him in terms of league guards who can really create shots. Like after him, you're going down to kind of a George Hill, Jeff Teague, and then you get into really just, you know, players along the lines of like Dennis Schroeder and Reggie Jackson. So he's definitely once you, he he represents a type of player that is not freely available and would be a reasonable upgrade to a lot of teams. Now, many teams, of course, have young players at the position, just aren't in a position where it would make sense for them to try and upgrade over those next two years. And also then you have to put a little bit of a discount on him because of the meniscus surgeries that he's had. I think three in all now has been healthy over the last year and a half or so, but as we noted, hasn't played that many games because he's been uh, rested so often. So I think he definitely could be a quality player. And then you mentioned the defense. That to me is really the big thing. I think he could be a solid point guard. You know, he, he's not a great shooter, but he can make an open shot on occasion if you go under a, on pick and roll, get to the basket, get to the foul line. He's got these long arms. He's really strong. Can he be a guy who can get back to being close to the defensive terror that he was as a clipper? Maybe not with that level ball pressure but with some effort some intelligence being a threat in the passing lanes as a help defender as a switch defender with his strength unclear whether he has that in him anymore or whether phoenix just kind of snuffed it out of him basically and he's just like you know i'm just gonna try and score and run the team difficult to say but i think he's a a very valuable piece and one that i think could be a pretty good piece in the playoffs too he has a one weakness where maybe the shooting could be a problem he could be switched 
onto but then defensively if you have to look at all the point guards in the league he at least in terms of physical tools probably has the best in terms of being a, a switch defender and playing the type of versatile defense you need to in the playoffs yeah i believe he's listed with a seven foot wingspan i think that's going back to the draft express measurement actually i think it was less than that at the combine so maybe it may, but he has a long wingspan for his size no matter what it is probably around six yeah, and it's crazy it's like yeah yeah i mean he's like you know six two and he, it's like it's definitely like plus six plus seven yeah wingspan. so so that's something to keep an eye on but the timing as you said the timing of this is really complicated and so what i do with these exercises i've done this for years but we just don't usually talk about it the whole way is i go through the entire league and i separate it into different categories and so there's a group that's out just be there's no way to make it work then there's an unlikely group where it's like it's possible but it's not going to happen and then you separate it out and the problem for Bledsoe is i have more than a third of the league is out just because they are they're locked in a point guard they don't want two years whatever it is then a, a more than a third of the league in the unlikely category teams like Toronto yes theoretically Toronto could come to could make an Eric Bledsoe trade but they're not going yeah. to I, I don't think we even need to talk about right. the, those not unlikely teams right so so, so, then, so I think but why don't we start with the teams that are, seem the most likely to you yeah so my my read on it is that the two most likely teams in terms of both having a need and having the pieces to send back are Denver and Milwaukee both of whom have been reported as having interest in him because it makes sense so Denver well here hold on actually can, can we stop for a second of course one thing I want to talk about first is just like, what do you generally think would be a fair price for him? Just in the abstract, a guy, a starter, solid starter with, you know, two years left on his contract at a reasonable price. I mean, let's think of some analogs to that, right? So Jeff Teague and George Hill, Bledsoe, maybe a superior player to those guys, a little bit younger than those guys were when they were traded in the same deal for each other. Uh, but that also netted the number 12 pick in the draft, which became Torian Prince and what was not a great draft. And that was right at draft time in 2016. Um, I mean, I think if you think of like some other solid starters who got traded, Nikola Batum is another one of those where the Hornets traded Noah Vonley had been the number eight pick the previous year for Batum. Batum was coming off an awful year, but he's also at a, at a kind of a rarer position and has some ball skills that you don't often see at that position. So that might be a reasonable analog as well. But these are also guys who had only one year left on their deal. If you get to guys that had two years left their deal you don't find as many but you would think that at the very least even considering the lack of leverage that phoenix has sending him home at this stage they would expect to get something that would be superior to the number 12 pick or the previous year's number eight pick that looked okay i guess it was a number nine pick finally was that looked you know not great but still had some potential you know maybe like analogous to like a marquise chris type of guy this year so that's kind of what i'm thinking about here for value yeah. but there are a lot of ways to get to that equivalency exactly and so there to me there are three basic kind of pots of value if you want to think about it and the first two run together a lot that's young players and draft picks you know some teams prefer one some teams prefer the other it really depends on to a degree whether you like your pro personnel scouts better or your college scouts better but you know you have those two things that are that are there and then the third one which it cannot be underappreciated in the in this situation is getting off of money and getting rid of bad contracts and the Suns are actually in this unusual circumstance where if it, if I were owning the team and had them had my own motivation 
situations for it. I would be trying to actually make this a bigger deal and try to take on bad money to get an even better asset back, kind of like what the Nets did to get D'Angelo Russell, because they can do that for 2018-19 and not affect anything. So for example, like one of the ideas that I had worked out involved New Orleans sending back better assets because they included Omer Ashik in the trade. That's the sort of thing I would consider. However, I am not Robert Sarver, and Robert Sarver may see that very differently. So with all that in mind, I agree with you. I mean, we'll pretend that we're kind of running things here. Phoenix, their cap situation, it really doesn't make sense for them to try to get off of money and get into free agency. Number one, they saw how their free agency went this last year. They really couldn't get any of the two guys that they wanted. And then they withdrew from any of the sweepstakes and just kind of kept some cap room. They have cap room this year still. They have about 90 million in committed salaries a little bit less than that actually so they've got plenty of room to work with they could even get up to about 15 million worth in room of just taking on additional salaries so the salary matching issue is not as big it's more of an issue for the team that would be sending out salary my idea that i chopped around on the gchat thread today that i kind of like and you in particular shot down was the idea of bledsoe to milwaukee for Malcolm Brogdon and insert bad money here, probably John Henson would be the guy I would want to move if I were Milwaukee, but he still has three years left on his deal. Phoenix, because they have a lot of money coming off in 2019, might want, not want to do that. Matthew Dellavedova is if would still be a decent backup point guard. They might still kind of want him around if they gave up Brogdon. Um, but he's another guy, not great money, 9.6 million essentially over the next three years as well. And then maybe more palatable to Phoenix would be Mirza Teletovic uh, making 10 million these next two seasons. And, you know, maybe they could throw in a Rashad Vaughn to help out with the tax situation there as well. Try to even it out because Milwaukee pretty close to the tax here. Also, maybe DJ Wilson could be thrown in there a little bit if they felt like they needed to even things out. I don't know how much Wilson is worth at this point. Maybe the, the Bucks could throw in Wilson if it meant they could get off of either of Henson. So I think I would do that if I were the Bucks. Uh, but you said you would not because you just Brogdon is better to you. Well, Brogdon as a player in the immediate might not be better, but Brogdon as a player slash at long-term asset, because for me, the Bucks right. are a better team two years from now than they are right now. And at that point, Eric Bledsoe is going to be 30 and he's going to be, you know, he only has two more years under contract. Brogdon has two years at the minimum and then has restricted free agency. We have no idea how that's going to go. You know, maybe at that point he won't be arenas limited. Maybe somebody makes a big offer. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're scared off. Anyway, let's take that aside. At least they have team control in the whole matter and really when you're adding the salary back in let's say it's Toledovich I think that could be a, a ground where they ended up all you're really doing in that is you're offsetting the difference between Bledsoe and Brogdon you're not saving any additional money you're so you're maybe doing a slight short-term upgrade losing team control and all that so it's not you know like especially if they see Bledsoe slightly differently than I do it, it could they could tilt the scale the other way absolutely but with how I see it it's not a trade that I would make because of those kind of competing value ideas and and especially the idea of timing like i mean even if you could get off a henson you still wouldn't do it even if you 
get off of Henson? No, because like, what are they really going to gain for that? So the money is pretty close to flat for the first two years. And then in that third year, it's not like they're gaining any flexibility from it. It might reduce their tax payments depending on where Jabari Parker ends up. It's possible they won't even be a tax team at that point. And then you're really not saving much because if you're not a tax team at that point, then all it is is just money in ownership's pockets because you're going to be using the middle-level exception either way. So for me, they're not so crunched that they have to do that. And they're not so close to the cap where they're seeing a real benefit. Yeah, I mean, just being able to get off of three years of dead money, it gives you more flexibility. They're close to the tax right now. They project to be so these next few years, and their team isn't good enough. You know, and I don't think that just internal development from Malcolm Brogdon is going to get them there. I don't even know that development from Thon Maker, even if he turns out to be great, is going to get them to where they want to be. I think at the very least, if you get Bledsoe, if they got Bledsoe and Bledsoe could get back to defending the way he wanted and stay healthy, admittedly all risk there i think they would be the favorites to be the number two seed in the east uh with the way Giannis has looked so far this season I mean, he's taken apparently another leap even you know our projection for the bucks or at least i think both of ours was somewhat pessimistic i had them at 44 wins this season and who knows they may regress but it's if Giannis is going to be, you know, the MVP type of level of player or, or really a legitimate top five player, they'll probably beat that. But they just don't really have enough punch still. I, they need one more guy who can attack with the ball in his hands. Well, Brogdon can make some open shots. He's not really a dynamic pick and roll threat. He's just kind of okay in all areas. He's strong. He can switch a little bit, but he's not really a lockdown guy. And he's going to be 25 too. So I think he, to me, while he's a great find, he helps them be a decent team he is not the guy at the point guard position who is going to like push you over the top and you need one more guy who can really create off the dribble move Chris Middleton into more of just a pure spot up shooting type of role instead of as an offensive creator and I would do it I think that they have they have boxed themselves into a corner already and just to be able to not have to give up a pick for blood so I mean maybe that would be what if it were and now now you're starting now you're starting to get into where I am I think Minnesota should be going or Milwaukee sorry should be going after Bledsoe, I just don't think they should be involving Brogdon. The way that I would do it is you have to get the salary right. I would probably, I would not want to make it Greg Monroe, but if it had to, to make all the other parts do it, I would sacrifice that. I think Thon is the center of the future. Monroe, you could get like a 65, 70% Greg Monroe. I think that they could make that happen if they had to, if they were really missing that. And then Bledsoe, if you have Bledsoe and Brogdon, then you're you're hedging your bets in a, to me in a much smarter way. Then you start to talk about DJ Wilson as a sweetener, for their first round pick. I would go more in that direction than putting Brogdon as the centerpiece. And again, it depends a lot on the way these trades work is what the GMs talk about. Does McDonough think Brogdon is a good player? You know, he did win rookie of the year, but do they think that Brogdon and Bledsoe, Brogdon and Booker's trade value is never going to be higher to me than right now. Yeah, I think that, I think that's certainly a fair point as, as though, of course, we don't know what McDonough's thinking, but for me as a risk proposition, if you can make that deal, let's say it's Monroe, a first and whatever sweetener, DJ Wilson, something else like that. And the problem is Milwaukee doesn't have many of those mid assets because they don't have any extra second round picks. They don't have any extra first round picks. So something like that, I would be much more amenable to it, even if the cost in terms of future assets is higher, just because you build a, a, a team that can handle what's coming next better. Yeah, being able to get off of Henson 
depending on what happens with Parker next year, maybe if he just doesn't get healthy, he moves on. If you're going to re-sign him, you know, you're basically, you're going to have to move Henson anyway if you want to re-sign Parker. Because you're if you re-sign Parker next summer, you're pretty darn close to the tax rate. And they'll have another season now where they can't really add to this team. And they'll have lost Greg Monroe. If they run a re-sign Monroe, then you're, again, in the tax. And this team, just the lack of flexibility on a year-to-year basis, like use the mid-level exception or even the mini mid-level if they're going to be a tax team i mean that's important they're going to actually be a good team now they're moving into a new arena teams people are going to want to play with Giannis Antetokounmpo and to just it looks like they are not a team that's ever going to pay the tax or if they do you know they'll do five million over or something like that so maybe with the new arena they'll feel like they can do it but to me getting off of that money would be huge and you can get Bledsoe if you get Bledsoe Brogdon is kind of redundant to me um I know he's a little bit younger but I still uh, Bledsoe to me is better than Brogdon is ever going to be he's just like a backcourt of Malcolm Brogdon and Tony Snell just is not dynamic enough to score against the best teams yeah I'm brought I'm I understand your logic so you so you for you is it a yeah. clear-cut thing that you would I, rather- I mean I might I, I'm not against I'm sorry and I'm not against your idea of trying to use a first or DJ Wilson or whatever I mean and then maybe you could move Brogdon for something else or just bring him off the bench as kind of a super sub or you start him instead of Snell although I like Snell in the starting lineup um so I, I and I think Bledsoe can help their defense get a lot better too I mean that's the other thing too I think Bledsoe has more potential on both sides of the wall than Brogdon um but so I mean I'm not saying like oh you have to include Brogdon and I probably wouldn't include Brogdon if I couldn't get off of Henson then I would go more of the first round pick route the DJ Wilson route see if I could get it done there do you want to move on to Denver? Because I think Denver is the other the other one, partially because, you know, Jamal Murray hasn't been amazing so far, but also partially because they have the right combination of, of pieces to really make this easy. Yeah, they do. I mean, they've got plenty, and they have kind of those other, those filler pieces, right? They have second rounders going for it. They've got lower level guys like a Malik Beasley or a Trey Lyles or even Tyler Lydon, although I would guess his value is pretty close to neutral at this point in most people's books after a, a miserable summer league and just kind of not really being that much of a modern player uh in terms of his defensive versatility Juancho Hernan Gomez who you know I'm not sure how highly they think of him maybe they think of him more highly than his coach Mike Malone does right now so and maybe you could even expand that trade out a little bit to include like Jared Dudley and send back like Mason Plumley or something too. I mean, not, I'm sure Denver loves Mason Plumley, so maybe they wouldn't do that. Well, and he can't be traded for a while. If yeah, that's true. December fifteenth is the earliest. Oh no, actually, it would be because he didn't sign until late. So it actually it's three months after he signed. I think is what it would be. But uh, nonetheless, but yeah, you can do it with Fareed and Arthur. There are a lot of ways that you can make this money work. And remember with Denver, with Denver for this year with. The the way remember when we said phoenix has all that money that expires in 2019 that's basically where denver's is too so you can kind of balance the money just by it being largely neutral like you could expand it the way for me to do it is do farid and daryl Darrell arthur Darrell arthur has a player option for next year i think we expect at this point that he'll pick it up farid has 13.8 million for next year they could do will barton will barton theoretically could be i'd have to count out the six months but he i think it would be close for him to be renegotiation renegotiated and extended i believe that would would be theoretically possible by the end of the year yeah yeah no that's uh th- those are all pretty i mean getting off of the farid money that's what kp suggested he suggested moutier and farid essentially doesn't seem like quite enough if you look at farid as kind of bad salary and moutier 
certainly probably could not be traded for like the number 12 pick in this upcoming draft uh, so that's probably a little bit less but i and it'd be interesting phoenix you know has no internal leverage right there's internal leverage is well hey we could just hold on to this guy you're gonna have to overwhelm us with this offer or we'll just hold on to him we don't need to trade him well that's how they can't do that anymore he has to be traded but they could maybe create external leverage by saying oh milwaukee denver like you're gonna have to beat each other's offer or anyone else as well well um, i'm gonna push back i'm gonna push back a little bit on the internal leverage thing here because phoenix is not particularly good this year i don't think that's going to break anybody's minds and they can wait this out i don't think that it's going to kill their pr or something if they just sit there they could just go well you know they don't have to do it like tomorrow i think you know yeah, within... but his value is only going to go that's down, true though, i think especially for a team for a team that like the box that example, want present va- present value is a huge part of this trade right yeah that's a good point yeah i mean if you have them for one and a half seasons instead of two seasons his value goes lower i think yeah that and I mean, at least at least he wouldn't be playing, so there's no chance he could get hurt in the interim again, which is always an issue with him potentially. So, I, I, and I mean, I think the team that's trading for him, you probably need to look at him as less than fifty percent chance that you retain him because it's always tough—a twenty-nine-year-old, thirty-year-old point guard relying on athleticism as Bledsoe is. I mean, he probably profiles as a backup on his next contract and may still be able to get a larger deal. So, you know, maybe you could re-sign him for another two years or something like that at bigger money but you're probably not gonna be able to retain him or you're gonna have to overpay to retain him neither of which is particularly palatable so you're really looking at the value i think as two years and then any years beyond that are probably negative value um or just no value at all neutral value in terms of how much you have to pay him so something i wanted so something i wanted to ask you was was okay so tyson 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 chandler and kenneth reed make pretty similar money how would you be feeling about that if you are the sons would you be saying hey like let's let's add tyson like if we're if you want to give us back farid we'll expand this add chandler and add darrell arthur something kind of like that i don't think denver would want to do that i don't see what use they would have for chandler chandler has looked awful by the yeah, he has before. well the the idea would be basically instead of giving up young players who they like just take on a little bit more money oh you're talking about denver yes. yeah again i don't see the point for phoenix really like they're not going to have space before 2019 just about no matter what they do so they might as well just take on some more money now while they can as long as it doesn't go past yeah, I'm good with that too. Um, so what I wanted to ask you is if, let's say you were Phoenix, would you rather have that Milwaukee package that I talked about having to take on Henson? And and if you had free, by the way, if you had free agent designs in the summer of 2019 and people, someone really wanted to come there, something I'm skeptical of, of course, uh, you could always just stretch Henson and it would only be 3 million that year. So it wouldn't be the end of the world that he goes another year. Um, and then if you don't have free agent designs, then it's fine. You just paying him and you get the benefit in theory of brogdon so would you rather have brogdon and henson or would you rather have moutier and farid really for me you start at the top asset so then it's brogdon versus moutier right now i would rather have brogdon i think moutier he, he does have untapped potential we both did really like him in the draft but brogdon has a couple of different benefits one i think he's a better player right now and i think and oh, i think certain. he could fit in relatively well you know he, he's not great defending both positions but i think he can kind of do a little bit there and could could help give them maybe more of a defensive identity than some of the other guys that are out there but also with brogdon if you're if you are 
really thinking about 2019, he's got these, he's kind of got this balance to his contract because it's so low that he's going to have a low cap hold, all that sort of thing. I think that does all really fit in together. And then the extra year with Henson, that's not comparatively as big a deal because the Suns haven't been a free agent destination. If for whatever reason, the, the right person says yes, they could always stretch that last year if they needed to, you know, if that was, if that six million right. or whatever was the difference, or they could give up a smaller asset and trade him and have that team stretch him, something like that. So I would rather have that Milwaukee package, which is exactly why I wouldn't be offering that Milwaukee package. Yeah. Well, Denver certainly could sweeten it. I think if they threw in a Wancho Hernan Gomez, he probably becomes easily their best power forward prospect. Wow. How depressing is that? How depressing is that for if you... No, no. Depressing is that because think about what Phoenix threw into, depending on how you want to count Dragon Bender, the power forward yes. position in last year's draft. I mean, in the same draft, Wancho was and selected. Wancho was drafted after Correct. both those guys. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was getting. And not that Wancho is so bad. I love Wancho. But the idea the idea of, hey, we need to get yeah. we need to get a guy who was taken you know, in the teens when we took two guys in the top 10. But really, sunk costs are sunk costs. And, and that that is something that this team needs to consider and that's why I, when I was talking about the Suns I think this was back when we were kind of doing some season previewy stuff is I'm like this is an evaluation year for them they need to figure out who the heck is good on this team and that is another challenge of trading Eric Bledsoe now not which they have to do is what are your needs like what what are your needs and really how the frames it is other than Devin Booker who in this team is going to be a starter who on this team is going to be a rotation player three years from now Okay, we'll talk about some of Danny's more dark horse potential destinations. This has been fun, though, especially because we actually disagree uh, on maybe just on how good of an asset Brogdon is overall. But first, I want to tell you about Wish, an app that I actually just recently became familiar with, which is a surprise because it's actually top five rated. Sometimes even gets up to about top two rated on Android and the App Store. Over 300 million smart and thrifty shoppers have discovered Wish, which is a mobile mall app that connects you to thousands thousands of merchants directly the prices on wish are absolutely insane 60 to 90 percent less than what you'd pay in a store fashion shoes electronics kitchen gadgets directly from the makers no markups and no overpay really the reason they're the number one shopping app is because the people who run it are geniuses they under they have really until this lakers thing did like no branding on their own it just rose to being such a great app because pretty much exclusively advertising on social media and they're awesome at targeting their ads on social media and they're also awesome at telling you what products might actually be of use to you so you don't even necessarily like go through and search if you just open up the app you'll find stuff that really is going to be amazing so a couple of the deals that i found just when i opened it up about two months ago when i was going on this grand canyon trip i bought this 128 gigabyte memory card for like 50 bucks well, I found a 512 gigabyte memory card for $16 on Wish. I wish I had known about Wish back then. Wish I had known about Wish. That's good. I also bought pretty recently a battery pack to charge my phone. I'm always on the go on those long plane flight days. You need a charger. Spent about 30 bucks for a 2000 mAh battery pack. That would maybe give you like one charge. Your phone's about 2000. They have a 10,000 mAh battery pack for $20. So that's like four charges worth of your phone. Just, and I didn't even have to search for any of these things. I just scrolled down the app, looking at it for 30 seconds and found what would have been great deals for me before I bought this other stuff. I, again, wish I had known about Wish. That would actually be a good slogan for them. So I think definitely just download the app, start scrolling through it. And you'll be like, wow, these are just stuff that I didn't know I needed that are just fantastic deals and you're going to be real happy with. 
All you basketball fans, of course, know that Wish is the official mobile shopping partner of the LA Lakers. But even if you're not a Laker fan, it's still worth your while anyway. And the way to get started with them, for our listeners, Wish is offering all new users a free gift with purchase. And if you already use Wish, which I'm sure many of you do, don't worry about being left out. Any listener, even if you already use Wish, can get 20% off your purchase by using my cap space code. Easy to remember, we talk about it all the time in the program, including just now with Eric Bledsoe. So just download and open your Wish app, find things that you didn't even know you needed, and enter my code CAPSPACE to get you 20% off. They're already preposterously low prices. So the Cavs, of course, have been rumored with Eric Bledsoe, a client of Clutch Sports, Rich Paul, LeBron James, etc., etc., with Isaiah Thomas's health in question and Bledsoe's superior size. You can make the argument, perhaps, that Bledsoe would be the superior player to Thomas in the playoffs. Certainly not if Thomas can get back to the level he was at last year, but I don't think most people expect that just from regression. And then, of course, the fact that he'll have been out for eight months with an injury. Can Cleveland put together a package here? Yes and no. They can put together a package, but that package probably involves the Brooklyn pick, and they should not include the Brooklyn pick in a in a trade for Eric Bledsoe. I agree. They still have their own first-round pick, 1 through 10 protected the next two years. They also have their own 2018 first round pick, which they may trade because they also have that Brooklyn pick. Their 2018 pick might not be bad. There's so many teams in the West, it could be, you know, kind of mid-20s. They've got every pick past 2021. So basically 2022 and after is available for trade right now since they have protected picks that they owe to Atlanta 2019 and 2020 potentially. So maybe they could just go with two of their own first round picks, one doesn't get it done as far as I'm concerned. One plus a Chetty Osman or an Ante Zizic probably does not get it done. I don't think either of those guys necessarily profile as future starters. And the Brooklyn pick seems like too much. you agree with all that? I do. And also remember that it's very hard for them to take on additional money, which is a way that some teams could sweeten it with sons. Like, you know, yeah, they could theoretically, you know, go Monchumper, Channing Fry, and added some other stuff, but they really don't have that much other flexible salary. So they can't take on, you know, Brandon Knight or Tyson Chandler or Jared Dudley. So the other thing that occurred to me is maybe there's something that they could do to equalize the value if they did send out the Brooklyn pick. Like may because of course for Cleveland, without a commitment from LeBron James, and even if they get Bledsoe, you imagine one would not be forthcoming. The two things they could do is either maybe Phoenix could throw in one of their other young guys. So maybe if they're getting sending the Brooklyn pick out, you send back Chris or Bender, one of those guys, if Cleveland likes one of those guys. I think I maybe don't. If I'm Cleveland, I'd probably rather have the Brooklyn pick, although Brooklyn's looking kind of spry so far. I would expect them to drop off a little bit here. Um, But if Damari Carroll is for real, then maybe they get to being out of the range of being in the top five. And there's some teams that are looking really, really bad so far. Or maybe then it's also about Cleveland getting off a salary this year as well, whether it's Channing Fry, who actually I think would help Phoenix and, and could help another team that's kind of just in the middle of the pack here, kind of make a playoff run, much the way that Brooke Lopez, we noted in that Phoenix game, really helped Lonzo Ball as a shooting center. Another team that kind of has some younger guys, maybe I don't, he could help Phoenix, but maybe could be moved on somewhere else. I think some team should try to acquire him anyway. Or Amon Shumpert as well. Those are kind of the two. Those guys make about 17 million combined. That's kind of the two pieces of quote unquote dead salary 
And Shumpert goes on for another year after this one with a, a player option that he'll likely pick up. So maybe Phoenix takes that on. Maybe they bring send back Bender as well, and then maybe that gets them the Brooklyn pick. Is that enough for you? There's an th- that might be, but there's another way to do it too, which is swap rights. You could even put in protected swap rights, like Cleveland. We, we you can swap the pick, but not if it's number one. Maybe not if it's top two. And then you Brooklyn. I mean not Brooklyn. Phoenix gets some of the odds. Basically, they're buying ping pong balls. And that just worked pretty well for the Sixers, albeit in a very different type of trade. But maybe then you include, maybe you include a first in Zizic or something like that. And then you include the swap rights instead of including a whole nother pick or instead of giving away all of the possibility of a high lottery pick. That's a really interesting idea. I wish that I had thought of that of just, hey, we're giving you some more ping pong balls, especially in this year. And Phoenix will be all about the ping pong balls coming up here. But if you're Cleveland, you probably still don't do that. If you got a commitment from LeBron, again, maybe you start thinking about it. Although now if you're willing to give up that Brooklyn pick, that maybe opens up some even better options for you. I mean, I like Bledsoe as a point guard who can be really a bulldog on defense, as we've talked about. In theory, we still don't know that he's that player. And I'm not guessing that Cleveland's defensive culture is necessarily going to get him back to being that. So yeah, that's an interesting one to talk about. I'm guessing that Cleveland does not put that Brooklyn pick in under any circumstances and then the offer other offers would really have to suck for Phoenix to start thinking about anything else that Cleveland can put together right and so the other teams that I had in this possible group are all all have their own different pieces of this puzzle so Orlando has a they could if they wanted to they could include Alfred Payton on the same logic that I used on wanting to have Bledsoe and Brogdon together of just kind of seeing what works I would try not to include him Orlando does have some weird assets I would not include Jonathan Isaac but they have a 2020 first from OKC which is protected and all that they have the Lakers 2018 second which could be a pretty good pick probably won't be top like one but it, it could be pretty strong and so those sort of things and they still have some young players of course and they have their own kind of salary bugaboo so there, there are ways that you can make that work so they're one team New Orleans what about what about uh would you ever include Aaron Gordon in that trade if you were Orlando no because Eric Bledsoe you have to I probably would if you're either. If you're Orlando, you are treating Eric Bledsoe as a rental, you, like for a two-year rental, of course, but a rental. You're not expecting to get long-term money from him. To long-term from him, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. They're not going to be able to renegotiate and extend him or anything like that. So you're not going to be better. Yeah, and in the I really next like years. the combination. I really like the combination of Gordon and, and so Isaac I. together as well. I think that could be a really difficult combo to deal with, and actually one that could work pretty well next to Vucevic uh, because Vucevic, of course, is limited defensively, and those two guys with their length i think could both get to be pretty good um but yeah i mean a lot of this depends on evaluation right do you think ryan mcdonald likes alfred payton i don't really know about the fit of payton next to devin booker uh, as well as a relative non-shooter um you know so so and and maybe it could be a future first from orlando maybe it could just be you know uh and Peyton could go to a third team or there could be some other draft pick compensation there but you know that might be an interesting one of just you know is it going to be a a future another interesting one here and I think he had more time left on his contract he might have had three years left on his contract I want to say uh but like Jason Richardson getting traded from the Warriors for the number eight pick who ended up being Brandon Wright in 2007 that's yeah don't don't look at his Brandon a a trade a trade that is in my Warriors book in the bad trade section for 
the Warriors' perspective. So, but you're right in terms of value. It's yeah. it's not it's not that terrible. It was more just that yeah. Brandon Wright didn't work out for them. Yeah, and I would say Richardson, who was on a max contract at the time, back when those contracts were seven years long, <laughs> uh, and had three years left. You could maybe say he's somewhat comparable to Bledsoe. I think Bledsoe right now is a better player than Richardson was at the time. But that's another one you could think about uh, as well. I think the league just overall values draft picks more than it did back then as well so and maybe orlando if they think they're going to be good this year you know they could go for a a, a, uh you know just a a top four protected or top three protected pick you know they they could give up or a top seven protected pick something along those lines those those are pretty different but yeah top seven protected pick maybe um that would be a lot of top seven protected 2018 picks that uh the Suns would own but that and then you just wonder what would happen with to Peyton after that but maybe just you know the Weltman regime just doesn't believe in Peyton and they're fine just letting him walk yeah. the restricted free agent could be so then quickly uh, and, and uh, there would have to be salary going yeah back, of course obviously, too. the two other teams that I think are potentials like that I'm just keeping in the back of my mind one of them is Indiana on the logic of Orlando trading for Serge Ibaka of a team that I wouldn't make that move if I were them but they could be seeing the playoffs as a shining light and say hey we can do that and maybe get him at a lower price than a lot of other guys and Eric Bledsoe would really help them so they what and one thing that's really nice about Indiana is that they have all this lightly guaranteed money for next year and so they could they could there are a series of different moves they could make they also you know I, I believe they have all their own first round picks moving forward they could work something in terms of protection and all that sort of stuff so so how all that works out and then the other team is New Orleans New Orleans the the challenge for them is that they don't have positive salary in the right range of Bledsoe to make the trade work and they're butting up against the luxury tax but they do have bad money and when you have bad money then they could add in more assets to make it work and that's why i thought of omar ashik yeah maybe it would just be more first round picks in the future they're certainly quite adept at trading those although hey you might mention that they already dropped 25 million a year for the next five years on a point guard who's playing shooting guard already in drew holiday i don't, I don't really like the fit of him and Bledsoe together that much. New York has been mentioned. Michael Scotto reporting that Phoenix asking for Frank Nilakina and Willie Hernan Gomez in trade. That seems like too much to give up, especially just where New York is right now as a franchise. Yeah, exactly. Like that. That's the big issue that I have with that is you're going to be better a few years from now. So why are those the guys you're going to give it, be giving up to get somebody who is only going to be on your team for a couple of years? And then by the point, you know, the young guys are ready. Well, actually, you're trading a couple of the young guys, but by the time the ones you have left are ready, he'll already be either gone or he'll be in his 30s. So remember when we started talking before the show and I was like, oh, this might be a shorter one. We'll talk some Bledsoe trades and then get some news and maybe do this rookie option thing. Yeah, uh, you know, we're like 40 minutes in here. Let's get some news. Unless you had any other like dark horse teams you want to talk about, I think I'm about spent. No, I think that's about all for me. I'm I'm and the the thing that you always have to be cognizant of now though, and I I like this back to Orlando is just the teams coming out of nowhere that just see a player who can make them better and just bite the bullet on it. But right now, with all the moves that happened this summer, there aren't really that many of those teams. Yeah, Orlando maybe seems the most likely of those, but they just have a new GM regime now, right? So those guys have plenty of time. They're not going to be under pressure to make the playoffs right away uh let's talk about Dwayne Wade whether he volunteered this is always right it was Joe Keep Noah two years ago in Chicago volunteering to come off the the bench behind Pau Gasol but then said he didn't so you know whether he volunteered or was told you're gonna have to I think Dwayne Wade maybe saw the writing on the wall. And so he will come off the bench on Tuesday against the Bulls. He had three straight games of scoring in single digits, which I think he only had six of those last year with the Bulls. 
we always questioned the the fit of him, but even with Derrick Rose now missing two more games after uh, an eversion sprain of his left ankle on that later upgraded to flagrant one foul by Greg Monroe on Friday night, eversion meaning the ankle turns outward. Usually most ankle sprains is inversion, it turns inward. So it's a little bit different of an injury, but supposed to be out another couple of games and they're starting Jose Calderon now at the point, which, you know, that, you know what we think of that. So I might've even tried just starting Wade at the point at this point, but it sounds like they just want to get into it. And Wade also realized when Isaiah comes back to, there's no chance that he'll continue to start. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I guess it's going to be JR now back in the starting lineup. I think this is a needed move. I think it's going to work well. We'll see whether Wade can lead the second unit at all. This could also lead to him playing a little bit more with Rose on the second unit because that was kind of what Rose was supposed to be doing earlier. But I think this is good and it's good that it's happening so early. I'm very pleased with this because it was it was part of the long game and Cleveland is, you know, they're all about the long game because the games in June are what matter. And sooner is better than later. It, it, it makes it it makes it makes it plain and it sets the dynamic there. And I'm I'm sure Jay is happy about it and you know whether it's public posturing or whether it's you know everything else that's going on it's still a good thing for them let's move on to Chris Paul we have a more detailed kind of idea of what's going on with him he has a left knee bruise he's going to be out two to four weeks the Rockets did lose tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies Memphis Grizzlies now giant killers already beating the Warriors and the Rockets and I think the I think Houston will survive this you know it's it, we, we talked before about how we both moved Houston you know we we moved them over the Spurs because of the quiet injury but they have enough talent that i'm not particularly worried about this long term yeah, we talked a little bit more about that in our houston section yesterday you mentioned the Kawhi injury he was seen walking up the ramp to the plane to go to their game in chicago and just like not even really able to walk up very well he was limping couldn't take like steps normally with that quad and considering it's been now really almost a month i think since this injury was initially reported maybe i'm overseeing that i was probably more like two three weeks but Really no timetable still from his return. The Spurs not really big on timetables, although worth noting that they have been much more upfront about Tony Parker with Greg Popovich saying, you know, it could be January, it could be December for him now. The late November timeframe always seemed a, a little bit unlikely there. So, but I mean, you have to imagine... Kawhi's at least a week or two away if not more than that and still pretty concerning and if you had his him very early in your MVP voting or, or bets <laughs> it's not looking too good right now but hey you know Spurs is still looking great even without him well and I will note I think Jeff McDonald said this that because he did first of all he did take the flight which is notable because they went on that that he had just had some sort of physical work you know like I don't know if it was massage or whatever it was and that he was walking more normally on the on the practice court I believe it was the next day but it, it still did freak freak me out and so the other injury news i mean there's a lot going on uh tay dosich it's plantar fascia which is you know so no structural damage but that still can take a while and no timetable yet partially because we they still need to figure out whether they need to have surgery yeah, I mean, whether it's a complete tear or not, I mean, it's out indefinitely. Sometimes it's almost better if there is a complete tear because it can just heal then, whereas it just it continues to be inflamed and can be- become a chronic condition. And Teo already not a guy who has a t- high activity level. So if he's dealing with chronic plantar fasciitis during the season, I think that could be an issue. In other news, Miles Turner, we mentioned that he was diagnosed with a concussion. Still out at least through Tuesday. They have a back-to-back on Wednesday, so you have to imagine maybe he wouldn't play in that one either. In Charlotte, Cody Zeller, a bone bruise in his right knee. We've seen bone bruises. That is a very fluid diagnosis. 
I mean, basically a bone bruise is kind of like the beginning of a fracture, essentially. And so you need the same sort of healing to take place. And, and we've seen guys with bone bruises in their knee, Dwayne Wade, Derek Favors really struggle with that. It sounds like it's not so bad, but it really can be quite an issue. So we don't know how bad it is for Zeller. Uh, they still, of course, do have Dwight Howard at least there. And it's going to be Frank Kaminsky at backup center. Most of the time, Johnny O'Brien is getting more playing time as well. Malcolm Brogdon, we talked about him extensively missed the game against the Hornets today but he's day-to-day with an ankle sprain that he suffered uh Wayne Selden in Memphis still has not made his season debut due to a quad injury and we haven't heard anything really on a timetable for him so that's definitely lingering uh what else we got here Another aforementioned player, Aaron Gordon, looks like he's coming back on Tuesday, but Alfred Payton's dealing with a hamstring issue. He will not be back. Alexei Ajinsa had bilateral knee injections. Well, well, hold on. He, he, he won't be back, like ever? No, no, he won't be back for the game that Aaron Gordon is returning. We don't. I, I haven't heard a specific timeline. <laughs> you just trailed off there. I was like, did, did he retire? Is that it for, for I Alfred mean, maybe Payton? he won't be back in Orlando because they'll trade him for Eric Bledsoe, but that's an entirely separate thing. Yeah, so he was not. He has that hamstring, not able to practice on Monday and it it sounds like you know maybe the end of the week could be a more realistic time frame for him and then Ajinsa just continuing just the absolute dead money pit that is the Pelicans 2015 offseason center signings I feel like in an overwhelmingly like sad way for those two guys personally that he and he and Omar Ashik are just going through like all of the ailments that can befell people I mean with all the crazy digestive stuff that's going on with Omar and then Ajinsa getting bilateral knee injections which I believe led to Will Carroll tweeting out injections of what which I highly enjoyed um so so that's going on fortunately Chris Dunn is on his way back he's at practice might play this week that's definitely good news for the Bulls, who are in sore need of good news. Yeah, and, and Dunn had that Dunn had that ugly dislocated finger yeah. that actually uh, broke the skin. Yeah, and uh, an open dislocation, something I learned from that injury. Yes. Dennis Schroeder, fortunately, it's not as bad as it looked. I think we were both watching that game against the, against the Nets in Brooklyn. He could be back on Friday, so that's very good. And Marcus Smart is still out. Don't really know, I, at least I don't know, how much longer he's still going to be out. Yeah, and for Smart, it doesn't sound like a severe ankle sprain but remember that his first two seasons were really derailed by ankle sprains he had that really ugly high ankle sprain his rookie year and he looks more athletic this year and then to go down with that and he's a guy who will play through pain but is this something that's going to linger all year you certainly hope that that won't be the case for him kj mcdaniels this could be the end for him finally in the nba an early favorite of, of all us dorky blogger types in 2014 with the sixers and just never really recaptured the promise of those first couple of months with the Sixers and now I don't know where he's going to end up next but you know maybe it'll be a two-way if he's lucky uh but probably just and the, I think he had a, a light guarantee like a hundred thousand or something with the reps pretty close to the tax they just decided he wasn't going to help them and, and the other thing too is they may have felt when they signed him that OG wasn't necessarily going to be ready and now that he's looked as good as he has there's really no reason to keep McDaniels around any further on another quick piece of news the Bucks signed Joel Ballenboy, who had previously been a late pick on the Jazz, and they cut him with a fully guaranteed contract because they needed that spot. He, they signed him to a two-way contract, so we'll see what he can do there. And Seth Curry will be back in about a week, but I want to go through because Dallas got... No, no, I, I'm sorry. That's not that's not correct. I wrote that wrong. He's out at least, at least one another week. Okay. 
he'll be reevaluated. Okay, so they got stomped by the Warriors tonight. No big, no biggie there. But so they're zero and four, and I want to walk you through their schedule for the next little while because this is pretty awe-inspiring. Memphis, Memphis, Philly, Utah at the Clippers, Pelicans at the Wolves, at the Wizards, Cavs, Thunder, Spurs, Wolves, Bucks, Celtics, Grizzlies, Thunder, Spurs, and then after Thanksgiving they play Brooklyn. Like they could go a ludicrously long time before they win their second or third game. Yeah, so really the next game, you're saying the next game that they'll be favored in might be Brooklyn over Thanksgiving. Five weeks from now. That's bad. That's real bad. Frank Nilakina also suffered an ankle sprain at practice last Friday. He's targeting a return of next Friday against the Brooklyn Nets. Just a lot of ankle sprains here pretty early on. I think that's all we got for this. Let's get to these rookie options. We can kind of run through these pretty quickly quickly here you created a list of guys that you feel are somewhat on the bubble uh, why don't you uh, go through those uh, start with the, uh, who, who do you have first on there so i went in in kind of order of interest not necessarily most likely to least likely or anything like that but so the most interesting to me is Joel is julia okafor okafor has a fourth year option worth 6.3 million the sixers are still trying to figure out what what they want in him what where his role is but the big question with okafor isn't necessarily is he worth that to the Sixers? It's who is he worth that for? Because to me, what I would do in this situation is I would pick it up and if they don't want him, trade him to somebody else. Well, just a quick refresher on how these work, by the way. They have until October 31st to decide on whether to pick it up and it's the option for next season. So this year they're guaranteed for, even if they get waived immediately uh, as Wade Baldwin did already from Memphis. Right, and another important so piece, sorry, yeah. another important piece of this because it's going to come up with the next player is I actually have a piece for the CBA Encyclopedia at Real GM that's coming out in the next day or two on this is that if you decline an option, what happens is the player becomes an unrestricted free agent and you can resign them, but you cannot resign them for a higher salary for that next year than the, the option that you declined. And this was most famous for a lot of people with Austin Rivers because the Pelicans declined his option. Then in a series of trades, he ended up with his dad and the clip on the Clippers. They still couldn't pay him more than that declined option, even though he looked better there. He ended up signing basically for that amount for two years and then got the big deal he's on now. Yeah, uh, two years. Uh, it was a one plus one, actually. And so for Okafor... I think I would go ahead and decline it because you just don't want to get stuck with that last year. They almost certainly are a team that's going to use cap space. If you're not a team that's using cap space, yeah, you might as well keep them around, right? Like Orlando, unlikely to have a ton of space next year. And so you think, hey, you know, what's the harm in keeping him around one more year? Although, it was, again, it was a different regime that drafted his own. Yeah, and he hasn't looked great so far this year either. But for the Sixers, that money with Okafor could be really valuable, right? They've got Joel Embiid starting at the max next year. Robert Covington will likely be making around $12 million or so. And that would leave them with maybe $21 million to operate with if they decline that $6.3 million for Okafor. And you mentioned, oh, I would just pick it up and then trade him. I think they could still trade him for a little, I mean, just get off of his money because it's unlikely, you know, he wouldn't be locked in under contract, but I don't know that it's likely he could make more money than 6.3 million next year in a new contract. So I think at this point, realistically, he's just going to be a salary dump. You're not getting anything back for him. And why not just minimize your own downside risk? Because I think he actually becomes easier to salary dump this year. If you want to, maybe you could get like a low second round pick for him or something like that or uh, to dump him this year but I think if you pick that up then he becomes like pretty hard to dump 
Whereas otherwise, you know, you might be able to get rid of them this year and well, get a little bit of something, or you just let them expire next summer. The way that you might play this, and I hadn't really thought too much about it until you brought this up, is maybe you try to trade him in the next week, and then if you can't trade him in the next week, then you decline the option because then at least the, it's more available right. to you. Right. I mean, you know at that point that there's just no way you're getting rid of him, so you might as well just... And there's basically a 0% chance to me that they can't do better with that $6.3 million than Jalil Okafor. He just is does not fit on this team is a horrible horrible fit with ben simmons even as a backup center he just has not been able to defend you know i think he still has some potential i'd like to see him get a chance somewhere else but it just it's really seems to have run its course and i mean he was his history just in philly is not good with like getting into the fight shortly after his rookie year basically potentially being the guy who who was the last straw and getting hinky fired and and all that there's just a lot of stuff here where he says he doesn't feel like he's a part of the team and he shouldn't you know he's definitely amazing for a guy who's the number three pick two years ago to basically be out of the plan uh so i would decline it hezonia maybe a little bit different of a story do that 5.2 million next season uh what are your thoughts on him real quickly here i haven't watched a ton of the magic yet so uh, which is malpractice is the archbishop of the church of hezonia but what i would be considering right now is the luxury tax for them kind of long-term I mean, Gordon and Peyton now are going to be restricted free agents, so heaven knows what they're going to get as free agents. But with Azonia, the reason I would probably decline it is they could just re-sign him. I don't think he's going to be making more than $5 million on the open market yeah. next year. Well, he wouldn't want to come back. He wouldn't want to come back at that point. We'll see how, we'll see I mean, how, we'll see how many op- options he has. Rights. Yeah, so yeah. I, I would probably do it that way. But it's, you know, if they see you, obviously they have a lot more information than we do in terms of practice and all that. But I don't trust him defensively really either of the swingman meaning shooting guard or small forward positions and they fiddled with him as a as a stretch four that's intriguing but i don't know that that he can basically do that well enough to justify being a key part of it especially now that they actually have some forward depth yeah, I mean, if you were like the 20th pick in the draft, maybe you keep him around because the salary would be lower. But again, the chances of him being worth that $5.2 million next year, very low. He's not going to be a guy who's getting big minutes this season. You'd think not going to have a big role this season. They will be well over the cap with the cap holds for Gordon and Peyton. And even without those guys, they wouldn't have significant cap room. So that's not really a consideration to create more space, but just simply not having him on the books, being able to use the full mid-level next season, I think I probably would, in fact, move on from him and and decline it, his option, and you know maybe even try to trade him. But I'm sure they've tried to do that and failed. So he just, unless you think that, I mean, do you think there's any chance that he even becomes a starter? at this point like sometime in his career like one percent or something like that because he is still naturally talented (laughs) so the any chance rule is as articulated by our friend kevin pelton yeah he passes the any chance rule but he doesn't really pass anything else than that cameron payne number 14 pick in 2015 3.3 million dollar fourth year option i couldn't decline this fast enough especially the bulls are a team that's going to want to use cat space or at least take on bad money next year pain has been injured so often they can use the injuries as potentially an excuse he's another guy that maybe they could try to bring back but that rarely if ever happens um, I mean, Rivers is really, I think, about the only guy that that's happened to. And that was the team that traded for him because they actually wanted him after he'd already had the option declined. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear he has not looked like an NBA player in summer league. And maybe that's due to the health or what. But I, I don't really know what the idea is that he does well. And I think the only thing keeping that from being declined is just it makes management look bad because they actually traded some stuff to get it. 
some stuff, meaning Taj Gibson, Doug McDermott, and a second round pick. And that second round pick could have easily become cash consideration. So that's another it's another hit. Rashad Vaughn. Yeah, uh, John Paxson had a comment on the radio that had a lot of the Bulls blogosphere up in arms saying that they were able to get equity with ownership by selling the pick for Jordan Bell. Um, but yeah, Rashad Vaughn out of the rotation again. I mean, if you have a guy who's in his third year, now Vaughn is very young, right? He was a re- one of the youngest rookies drafted his year. But you have a guy who's completely out of the rotation in his third year, and not only completely out of the rotation, but they have so much money put in to Middleton and Snell. They have Brogdon who can play the two as well. Uh, Jabari Parker's going to come back. He's kind of a wing. I mean, there really just isn't a spot for him at this point. And they also brought in Sterling Brown, who is probably ahead of him in the rotation at this point as well. It really just seems like there's no way he's going to find a path to playing time and this you know maybe he could be a second draft guy with another team but this is another one I think I would decline as well I would too also they're going to be you know we talked a little bit in the in the Bledsoe segment about the luxury tax in relation to them and so adding this money it could be compounded money for a team like them and if he is a negative at that point because you're fully guaranteeing this contract by picking up this option so then you might have to use something to get rid of him or something like that move on to Chris McCullough who is, is a a kind of a sad situation, but also in many ways a, a prototype for a type of guy that gets an option decline where he is in a situation that they did not draft him. He was he was acquired, but he was not the reason that trade happened. And yeah, he was a salary. Yeah, dump. basically. He, he actually. Yeah. So in, in he was a salary dump in a salary dump, which is impressive. Uh, so fourth year option worth about two point two million. I fully expect the Wizards to decline that. They have more information than we do. We haven't really seen much from him. It sucked that he lost that first year due to injury, but that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes yeah he would be the most likely person on this list to me to have that option decline you also have papa g Giorgios papianis on their third year option at 2.4 million number 13 pick just a year ago in the 2016 draft i would be shocked if they declined and he actually showed some signs of making progress he's been relatively inactive so far and they have a billion centers on this it, team it's this you know what yeah. like he's not gonna get it's the same option. story with malachi richardson I, richardson does play a position of a little bit more need for them because they don't have like 50 guys at his position they just have four but richardson again the, and also it looks right now like the kings aren't going to be a salary cap team next year just because of the options for costa kufos and garrett temple who had a nice game against the Suns even though they lost and I expect I fully expect both those to get picked up I thought it might be a more interesting conversation than it was Kavon Looney Looney going into his fourth year 2.2 million I vacillate on him which is weird because usually you vacillate with guys that you're not really that sure about with Looney the big problem is I don't know where he provides value to the Warriors so I think the rule I would use is the same one as Julio Okafor I would be trying to move him right now and if no team is interested then you decline it because that is is going to be expensive for Lake Goober, and they could use that two million to get a really good guy for the minimum next year. Yeah, they're trying their asses off, I'm sure, to trade him just to save you know four or five million or so in luxury taxes. It'd be even more than that, probably at this point. So just even for this year, not to mention next year, he would be one that I do expect to get declined. Even though he has looked a little bit better, has gotten into slightly better shape this year, actually much better shape this year, and, and looks a little bit closer to what we thought he was in the draft process but yeah i would say odds are he probably does get it declined as well just for the financial reality i mean he's just never especially because jordan bell has looked so good and does a lot of the same things as he does so far and they also have damian jones who's probably ahead of him as well and is a year 
behind him in terms of like his rookie contract cost um i mean it wouldn't would it you didn't have him on the list and they probably wouldn't do this but like would you consider declining jones's third year option i would consider it but i I probably wouldn't do it it's at basically on the logic that they could just use another roster spot at the minimum more better better than him yeah and also just that they'd be stuck with that money for next year now i mean like for them just even having 1.5 million on the books they're gonna be taxed out like crazy i mean that's like six seven million dollars in like actual cash potentially next year depending on what tax bracket they end up in i expect it to be a high one yeah that's an interesting idea i hadn't thought about it as specifically and now i probably should write about that bobby portis we mentioned the idea of maybe releasing him it seems like his teammates have been mollified a little bit more about that. And actually, I went back and read a good piece by a Harlan Schreiber hoops analyst, who's one of the very early NBA blogosphere guys that I used to read back, you know, 10 years ago, uh, which was a very succinct summary. I recommend it, reading it about teammate incidents of punching each other and that to some degree it happens less in the nba football is just a much more violent sport in general and and there are a lot more players um and people just get riled up a lot more they're hitting each other really hard all the time so basketball there are a few precedents for this but not much actually i was reminded that bill lambeer and isaiah thomas got into a fist fight in 1993 leading to lambeer's tearful retirement a few days later uh, and then Isaiah tore his Achilles later that year and, and had to retire as well. I'd totally forgotten that that had happened. Uh, but anyway, so Portis, you know, I'm not quite as draconian about it as I once was, with decl- just straight up waving him and declining his option. It seems like there was some more aggression from Miritich than it appeared early on. His teammates are not quite as condemned. Portis just straight up apologized to Miritich too, which is, I think is good. Uh, so... You know, that's kind of even money for me. I don't think Portis is that good, but, and this is a team though, still to me, I think it's more about the jobs at this point to not decline his option because it's just, he was a guy that everyone was like, oh, Bobby Portis steal with the 22nd pick. And now, you know, he hasn't really ended up being any good, but they still want to keep around the idea that he could be good instead of just declining his option. Uh, Who else we got here? I don't think it's going to happen, but Bryce Johnson just hasn't shown that much. Actually, the best I ever saw him was in Team USA select scrimmages in last last offseason. But it's his third-year option. It's $1.5 million. And the reason why I put included him is just because, first of all, it is a new technically front office. Doc Rivers doesn't have that power anymore. And also because, like the Warriors, the Clippers can do a, a lot of good with a minimum contract. And so having another roster spot could be a value for them next year. Yeah, you, you make a good point there, and they are a team that could be close to the tax. I mean, they're up against the hard cap to some degree this year. It might be another time where if they could just trade him for nothing, they might choose to do that. But we know Doc Rivers so values developing young players. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll really want well, to Well, congratulations on them getting a rookie that yeah. Doc Rivers will play because it's a 30-year-old point guard from Europe. Jarrell Martin, interesting story. It seemed like he not only was he going to have his fourth-year option decline, but he was going to get waived this year, according to Ron Tillery, and then apparently had a pretty good camp or that report was erroneous. And so now he's actually starting for the Grizzlies in the absence of Jermichael Green, not going to close games necessarily. But I mean, I guess if he's starting some games, he might as well pick up the option. Although we saw PJ Hairston, who was a headache from a personality standpoint, he started games and then had his rookie option declined as well. So it's not like it would be unprecedented for that to happen. Uh, but, and we were actually critical of that at the time, just like we were with Solomon Hill. And actually, you know, Hairston just has not been heard from since. So that one, the Hornets apparently got right. 
so I would expect Martin to make it, but it wouldn't absolutely shock me still. I mean, they weren't that high on him a little bit ago, but if they waived Wade Baldwin to keep him around, you have to imagine they'll at least exercise this option at this point. The other guy who has played himself off of the conversation we had earlier is Josh Usis. Fred Katz's Twitter rival has been looking good as a defensive player. I think he's really shown some growth, played some nice minutes against Minnesota, and his options, $2.2 million. The reason they might still decline it would just be that team is going to be crazy expensive next year and moving forward. So maybe they just go, well, what is he really going to add? But at this point, I I would pick up his option. I mean, unless it's a Mitch McGarry type, that team loves themselves and loves their own player development so much that I would be very shocked, even if he hadn't shown much and still color me a skeptic about whether he's going to come through as an NBA player. He has shot it a little bit better, as Ben Falk pointed out today, lately in the D League and Summer League. But, uh, you know, again, consider me a skeptic. I haven't seen much from him. And and he definitely has some nice athleticism and i think he can be a solid defensive player but uh you know they already have andre robertson on this team as well so i might consider declining it but they're not going to yeah that's true can i promote something before we end all right uh, well, let me promote a couple of things sure. first. Our Patreon account, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. We are going to do a Patreon mailbag as soon as I get moved in to my new place, hopefully before the end of the month. And also maybe do a, a private Periscope or two from Oracle Arena at, at upcoming games where we'll take questions just for subscribers also sending out we'll have an update soon for all of our cap sheets with some of the extensions and also the waivers and stuff rookie options getting picked up that'll be pretty soon as well and don't forget about dunked on merchandise you can get a dunked on hat all of our many dunked on t-shirts with the slogans cap space on the back and also some of our favorite terminologies as well dunked on coffee mugs which we so beautifully modeled in the twitter nba show drinking out of so all that stuff a great way to support the program and uh also there are many ways that you can support danny that he's going to tell you about right now my annual pick protection piece laying out all of the ones to look for this year it's a smaller list than usual which was less fun for me that came out at the sporting news on monday i have a cba encyclopedia piece i mentioned this a little bit earlier on rookie scale contracts that's coming out at real gm i would guess tuesday i don't know for sure and then i'll have a new warriors watch podcast out eh, probably tuesday i'm thinking i'm gonna record something on the road trip so you can look forward to that and then i have pieces rolling out for the athletic and as nate knows i'm always working on like four things at once so keep an eye on that and that's a good reason to follow me on twitter and i'm gonna try to post stuff to my post when i when i have new things up on my facebook i know i'm gonna drop that within like a week but hopefully i'm gonna try to do it did you write a book or something i thought i heard something about that <laughs> yeah I, I i should probably spend more time for more burning that 100 things warriors fans should know yeah it's just, it's coming it out, is right on the when is what's the official release so the, date the official release date is november 1st 100 things Warriors fans should know and do before they die. It covers the entire time from when they moved to San Francisco in 62 to the present. And it was fun to put the current stuff in historical context and also to do a lot of digging. I would send stuff to Nate periodically, especially the teams in the 70s. I would dig into that. So it comes, it's already available on Amazon. I have people sending me stuff saying they already got it, which is great. And it's going to be, you know, wherever books are sold. And there will be, if you live in the Bay Area and hopefully outside of it eventually, I will be doing signing events as well. Those have not yet 
yet been formally announced, but they are in the works. There are two that are locked in and probably another couple coming soon. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. I'm sure we'll do a segment on it once I, this week from hell moving is over. All right, we are done here. Talk to y'all next time. If you want to save big, over 300 million smart and thrifty shoppers have discovered Wish, the mobile mall app that makes it easy to shop fashion, shoes, electronics, and more directly from the makers. You pay 60 to 90% less than what you'd pay in a store. I have used it. I think their algorithms are fantastic. They give you stuff you didn't even know that you needed at prices you didn't even know were possible. Wish is offering all new users a free gift with purchase and dedicated Wish lovers, even if you already use the app, anyone who wants to can download and open the Wish app and use the offer code CAPSPACE to let them know A, that you came from us and B, more importantly for you, get 20% off your purchase using that offer code CAPSPACE. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 